Good morning, guys. How y'all doing? Morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at One Church. And uh, as you know, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Our church is about connecting people to God, connecting disconnected people to God who loves them. And that's what we're all about here at One Church. Cool thing I want to announce. This is really, really neat. I had an email, um, oh, about uh, probably about a month ago. A month and a half ago that uh, from a lady by the name of Carrie. And Carrie had emailed me and she said, you know what? I have a passion. Uh, I'd like to maybe uh, just kind of start a ministry, do something here at one church. Have you ever heard of Operation Christmas Child? And I had. And, and uh, she says, you know, I think it would be really, really cool. It's about shoe boxes, and people bring shoe boxes, and we give them to the needy all over the world. And um, I said, you know what? One church is about giving. Well, let's do that. And she says, great. I want to do it as well. So she ended up uh, doing all of this work. And for the past month, uh, she has been collecting shoe boxes uh, for people all, literally all over the world. In fact, Carrie, I know you hear my voice. Why don't you come on in here? Um, y'all turn back around. This is Carrie. Um, let's give it up for Carrie. What's so cool is that, how how many shoe boxes do we have right now? 97. Isn't that awesome? Thank you so much. How many of y'all gave a shoe box? Some within it. Man, praise God. Man, it is all about, thank you very, very much from Carrie and from One Church. Thank you for looking beyond yourself. That's such a blessing. You know, so many times we get into the holiday season and the only thing we see is, you know, our kids and our stuff and all of this stuff. And uh, we always want to be a church that is giving, giving, giving. And that means we have to be giving. I have to be giving. And I just want to say kudos. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we're in the middle of the series on the book of James entitled Moving the Chains. And one of the things we've been talking about in the book of James is this. The book of James and football have a lot in common. Because in football, you can have all the strategies, all you want to, all the X's and O's, but really what matters is when you score touchdowns. That's the whole point of playing football is to win. In the book of James, James is writing the book, 108 verses in the book of James, and 54 verses, that's every other verse, is containing something for us to do. It's commands. Do this, do this, do this. And the theme, the big idea for the entire book of James is this. A faith, a faith starts invisible, faith starts invisible, but it never stays invisible. It always makes itself invisible visible. That a real faith, a true faith is going to make itself known. And if it's not, it's useless to you. That's his whole point. And he gives us these practical things in the book of James that you want to know how good of a Christian you are. You want to know how good and how, how far you're going down the field in the Christian life. Then this is this and this. And today we're talking about something very, very practical. In fact, how many of y'all know what this is? A mouth guard. All right, some mouth guard. I'm going to preach to somebody like this. Y'all are going, you're an idiot. All right, you're probably right. You think about this. Nobody would ever consider playing football without wearing a mouth guard, right? What happens if you play football without a mouth guard? You're going to lose teeth. That's right. All right. Um, in fact, you would never consider getting into a boxing ring without. Some type of mouth guard, 
You would never consider playing any full contact sport without protecting your mouth. Because if you do, all right, if you go into something that's a full contact sport without something like that, you're going to have a busted lip or lose some teeth. You know, just as we need this on the field, I think many of us need this off the field. Because it's a whole lot harder to talk and to say dumb things with something like this in our mouth. How many of y'all have ever said anything dumb? Okay, that should have been 100%. All right, guys, how many of you are a guy in here today? All right, there you go, there you go. We've said some dumb things, right? So, and, I mean, if you think about this, I mean, our mouth, we have the propensity to be able to do either great things or very harmful things. In fact, you and I probably grow up saying this saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a lie. Y'all know that. Because they might not hurt you on the, on the outside, but in the inside, all of us have been shaped by people's words. All of us have been shaped by the hurtful words of a parent saying, you're dumb. You're never going to ever matter anything. You're not going to grow up and do anything with your life. You're fat. You're, you're, you're weak. All of us have been harmed and scarred internally. By just careless words, either by a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a bully at school. We all, even though we grow up, we carry those scars and it defines us. I mean, all of us have some of our embarrassing moments in our life is when we said the wrong things at the wrong time, right? And, and, and right when they get out here, I mean, they're not even out there. I mean, they're right at the tip of our tongue. We're like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. And we see the person's response in their face and we see their, their eyes tearing up and we're going, oh, and then we've all said this. Well, I didn't mean it how it sounded. Has that ever worked with anybody? Honey, do I look fat in these pants? Yes. Oh, I didn't mean it the way I sounded. Oh, okay. Okay. It's okay. Then if you didn't mean it that way, that's fine. Right. By the way, ladies, if you don't want the truth. I'm just joking. All right. <clears throat> this, is, this is a sermon about encouragement. I got to remind myself. Right. So here's the thing. We've all said some things that have harmed other people. And it never does say, it, it never does work. Well, we didn't mean it the way it sounded. We all have the propensity to let words shape us because a spouse of something a spouse has said. Or maybe an ex-spouse. Those words... Even though we've moved on and it's years later, they still just stick with us. And we try to move it. We try to go beyond it. But, you know, I think even today, more than any other day that we've ever lived in, I think not only our spoken words, but our written words have the propensity to do horrific damage through emails and texting, and blogs, and Twitter, and Facebook, and MySpace. How many of y'all in here text regularly? All right, cool. That's everybody. All right. How many of y'all email? How many of y'all got Facebooks? MySpace? All right. How many of y'all Twitter? Not as many people. All right, cool. Thank you. Twitter person. All right. You know, one of the things, y'all know, I think everybody knows that, that, that one church has a Facebook page in here. 
So one of the things that we've done over the past week is we have taken screenshots of some of the things that you've put on your status reports and some of the things you put on your page, and we're going to put that up now. Let's go ahead and do that. How many of y'all right now are legitimately scared? All right, how many of y'all, uh, you were scared, but you're not, you're afraid to admit it. You're a coward. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you. See, here's the thing. Our words have the potential to burn down relationships. We have to be careful the status updates that we put on Facebook and MySpace and email. How many of y'all have ever sent an email and then wish you could actually like retract it? Anyone? I have. You know what? You can't, can you? Some of you are going, yes, I can. I can break into their house and I'll delete. No, you can't. You can't get it back. And that's how wor- words are that powerful. You, once it's said, once it's written, once it's done. In fact, I was talking to a fellow yesterday. He says, before I ever hire anybody, I Google them. I go on their Facebook. I go on their MySpace. We have to be careful because words make a difference. Texting makes a difference. Blogs make a difference. You know, because of our words and then we say all of this stuff, either say verbally or electronically, it can leave other people mangled, horrific, and bleeding out. Kind of like this video. Let's watch it. On a busy Texas interstate, traffic up ahead is at a dead stop. You can see it, but the driver of this San Antonio City bus speeding down the road clearly had something else occupying his attention. Betty Jo Hummel was in the driver's seat of that SUV. Oh my God, that's bad. It's horrible. It was the most horrific thing I've probably ever lived through. With two disabled passengers strapped in behind him, why didn't the driver ever slow down? Take a look at what Adrian Perez was doing instead. He pulls out his cell phone and starts texting, and not just for a few seconds. For six minutes leading up to the crash, Perez was looking down. And when he finally focuses on the road, it's way too late. Now he's alert, and he knows he's in trouble. Perez isn't the only offender. These San Antonio City bus drivers are also driving while dealing with their phones. This woman texting at 65 miles an hour. It's just like... Pay attention to what you're doing. Pay attention when you have so many lives at stake. Betty Jo Hummel says she's lucky to be alive. Others caught between a cell phone and a driver haven't been as fortunate. Hi, Dave. We make jewels. Fancy you. Please don't. Pass. It's It's not even funny now. Let me just get his number. You know, none of us ever see it coming. We see when, and how many of y'all have ever texted while driving? 
I have. You know, and I watch that video, and that video goes on for another four, four and a half minutes. And it just, I had to edit it just because how gruesome it was. You know, just as texting while driving kills people, many times the text that we write and the words that we say leave people mangled, leave people bleeding on the side of the road because our words have power. Our words can damage other people. They can burn other people. James chapter 3 verse 1 is where we're going to be looking at today. James chapter 3 verse 1. And as I mentioned earlier, the book of James just has a lot of practical stuff in it. And all of today is just practical. It's just, I mean, it's not about, you know, even so much what you believe. It's about a fact. James chapter 3 verse 1. Let's see how true faith works itself out in our lives. James chapter 3 verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters. Now when James writes that, he's not talking to literally brothers and sisters. He's talking about people who have the same dad, people who have the same God, people who we actually call believers or Christians. So he's talking to Christians. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For when we teach, for we who teach will be judged by God with a greater strictness. If you're going to be a preacher or a teacher, James is saying this. You need to know you're, you need to be careful because God is taking notes. And, you know, how many of y'all took, like, public communication in high school or college? And, y'all, I ended up taking an Austin P. And, of course, you have to stand up. You have to give a presentation. And then at the end, you get a grade. You need to know that I am going to get a grade for every word that I've said on this stage. Because God is listening. And this is God's word. And when I speak God's word, God says, I'm going to hold you, Chris, to a stricter judgment. And not only me, but all of the teachers and preachers and speakers who are up on their stage in their church every Sunday morning. Now, he keeps on going. Verse 2. We all make many mistakes. Huh. That's an understatement. We all make many mistakes, but those who control their tongues can also control themselves in any way. He says, we all mess up. We all mess up. But the person who can control this three and a half pound muscle in, your, in their mouth, that person is mature. That person is complete. That person, maybe some of your Bibles and different translations maybe say perfect. He's saying that person, those who can control their tongues, control their lives. Keep on going. Verse 3. We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth. How many of y'all have ever went horseback riding? All right. Um, I have as well. You know, you, you have this thousand pound animal. And this thousand pound animal, if, if it wanted to, could crush you. It could crush you. But by placing this little one-pound bit in its mouth, we can control which way the animal goes. Why? Because of something in its mouth. We can, turn, we can pull on the reins left, and it's going to go left. We can pull on the reins right, it's going to go right. We can pull back, and it's going to stop. All because of the something in its mouth that gives it direction. Direction. 
That's the first illustration that he gives. He says you can control the direction of the entire animal by just controlling the animal's mouth. Next word picture that James gives us. Look at verse Look at verse 4. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot, wherever the captain wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. Illustration number two. He says, you know what? You got this big, massive boat and a little bitty small rudder. And that little small rudder controls the direction of the boat. That just this little small thing is going to control the course and the direction that that boat goes. Small part, big influence. So also, verse 5, the tongue is a small thing. But what enormous damage it can do. Our big idea for today is this. Our big idea says this, that the tongue, The tongue controls the course of your entire life. Let's say that out loud. The tongue controls the course of your entire life. And some of you go, you know what? That's exactly right. It does. Because some of you, where you're at in your life right now is because of words that you've said and words that you've said in anger and haste. And some of you have destroyed marriages because of your mouth. Some of you have lost jobs because of your mouth. Some of you have been demoted because of your mouth. Because this is true. The tongue, our mouths, the words that we say controls the course of your entire life. Here's some list of things that I've made of what words got us. Words got us our wives. Words got you your husband. Words get us our dates. Words uh, get you jobs. Words on a piece of paper on a resume can get you a job, and it depends on what type of job. If you're a good communicator, that's going to determine what type of job that you have and how good of a communicator you are is going to determine how successful you are in that job. Uh, Words is going to make you a better salesperson or not. Words are going to make you a better negotiator or not. Words um, can tear down homes, destroy your children. Words can get you expelled from school. Words can land you into prison. Our lives are determined by the words that we say, that we type, that we text. All of this determines the course and the direction, which way we go in our lives by this small thing. And then James takes a turn. He says, not only does the tongue sets the course and the direction for your life, the the, the tongue sets the course and the direction for those lives around you. Look what he says, verse 5. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. You know how hundreds of thousands of acres get burned to the ground every year? You know how that starts? Small spark. Big consequence. Small spark, just tiny. Now, that doesn't seem fair, does it? That doesn't seem fair that something that small could cause that much damage. But that is what James is saying to you and me. 
James is saying, you need to be careful because your tongue is lit. Your tongue is a fire and that little small spark can burn not only everything around you, it can burn others as well. That's why James is spending so much time on this. He's saying, okay, you say you believe the right things, that's good for you. Let me, let me hear what you say. I was talking to a person a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, they were saying they were at a, a, a ball meet for one of their kids and uh, a person from one church didn't like the referee call. And uh, they went, they got up and they just started cussing. F this and F that. I'm going, oh. Because, you know, that shouldn't be. We can't say that and then say, hey, by the way, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? Doesn't work. Just doesn't work. And that is James' point. He says, you know what? And and, and, and he's preaching to me here because I'm telling you, all of us have a problem with this. Right? If you have a pulse, you have a problem. And even me more so because I talk a lot. All right? In fact, there's a proverb that says, with many words, sin abounds. (laughs) That's true. And I'm telling you, we have to be careful because this is lit. And we, can, I mean, I could say something right now that could not only harm my reputation and my integrity, but can harm the reputation and integrity of the entire church. Because that is the power of words. Now, not only do I have that power, you have that power. Because every time you're on a ball field with your kid, you're representing Jesus Christ. And don't be out on a ball field wearing a one-church shirt, you know, blessing out the the ref or the ump. Or if you have a, a road rage problem, take that Christian fish off the back of your car. You're not representing Jesus well. They cut out in front of me. You know? I'm going to give them the California wave. Right? And they're going, oh, man, I thought they were a Christian. And that's James's whole point. He says, okay, you say you believe this stuff up here. How is it coming out here? Because you want to know how well you're, you're doing you want to know how deep you are spiritually with God? Then show me, show me your words on, on Facebook. Let me hear the words you're speaking to your children. Let me, every time you're on the cell phone, I'm listening. Every time you write something on a blog, I'm watching you. And not only me, God says, everybody is watching you. You got to be careful. Keep on going. Verse 6. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction. For it is set on fire by hell itself. There's our big idea again. Course of your life. What's our big idea? Our big idea is the tongue sets the course of our lives. It's simply stated right there. I mean, domestic abuse, murders are caused by our mouths. Because most murders are the result of domestic abuse. And most domestic abuse usually starts by fighting. 
I mean, uh, so much horrific, mangled people all around you. And you're going, what? I'm just, I'm a good person. No, your mouth is destroying people. I mean, history has been changed by the words of good men and good women. I think of Dr. Martin Luther King. He's standing on the steps of Washington. And he's there at the, at the Lincoln Memorial. And he says, I have a dream that the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners can sit down at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream today. Those words have changed our nation. Those words have changed people's minds of how they see themselves and how they look at other people. I think of the words of, of John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I think of the words of Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he says the only thing to fear is fear itself. Right? I mean, I, I, I think of so many people who, whose lives have been affected by good men and good words. But also, I can see history of how Literally, hundreds of thousands of millions of lives have been destroyed by people's words. People like Adolf Hitler, who just who spread racism against Jews. And because of his words, six million Jews were killed. Because of one man's words. Or, or people like Joseph Stalin. Horrific, evil words. Or Friedrich Nietzsche. Godless, saying there is no God. And people, the entire country of Russia, followed this man's belief until it self-destructed in 89. This is what words have the power to do. They not only change history, they can change your history. Wonderful or horrific things. Verse 6. It can turn the entire course of life into a blazing fire of destruction, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And then verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one. Everybody say the word, no one. No one. No one. How many of y'all are no one? Raise your hands. Okay, that was everybody. No one, right? No one. That was a trick question. I think of no one. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I just... Your words are confusing. No one can tame the tongue. No one. You know what that means? And that tells me that I will never have this under control. And neither will you. You can't just turn it on autopilot. Because if I turn it on autopilot, you're going to mess up with your mouth. You're going to mess up. I was talking with my wife this morning before I got here. I said, you know, well, give me some ideas. Give me some examples of ways that I have messed up with, your, with my mouth. And she says, all right, get out a pencil. <laughs> so uh, she gives me a, a few examples. And, then, <laughs> and I says, well, give me some examples that you've done. And she says, no. I said, okay. So, uh, but uh, one of the things that I, I remember so vividly our marriage, and this probably happened 10, 13 years ago. Um, we were lying in bed and we were talking and she was, had, had been laying on her hair and, uh, and, um, my, uh, she, I'm trying to see if she's in here. Um, she was laying, Hey baby, how you doing? All right, let's go back to the Bible. <laughs> Verse nine. Anyway. And, uh, 
and so we're laying in bed and she was laying on her hair and she got up and she had this, this, she looked like alfalfa. All right. It was just kind of going straight up and, and she's talking to me and I'm looking at her, I look at her hair and I start laughing. <laughs> and thank you. She starts crying. And I'm going, oh, I'm an idiot. You know what? She's not angry at me, I don't think, anymore. And uh, <laughs> some days I wonder. Um, but that happened, like I said, I know that happened over a decade ago, but we still think about it because it was hurtful. All of us have times in our marriage that we've said or done dumb things. Hard to laugh at now, but it's hurtful. Painful. And James is saying, warning, warning, you have a mouth. You need to be careful. Verse, verse 9. Sometimes, this is amazing. He's saying it's not tameable. You can tame everything else. It's not tameable. Verse 9. Sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father. You know, we can stand up on Sunday morning and we can say, glorious one, glorious one, the one who outshines the sun. And then we get in our vehicle to go across the street to the great escape and somebody cuts us off and blankety blank. What it says, sometimes we praise our Lord and Father and sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who have been made in the image of God. You know what James says? He believes that everyone has been made in the image of God. How many people? So anytime, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, I am the worst at this. I, I did this yesterday, and I've, and I've been working on the sermon the entire week. I've been doing this yesterday. Somebody, I'm going 45 miles an hour in a 45, all right, and somebody pulls out in front of me, I mean, and I have to slam on my brakes. I got three kids in the vehicle. That made me angry, and I, and I go, you idiot. And I got three sponges. I got a little two-year-old named Bing. You idiot. Okay. Listen, um, daddy shouldn't have said that. All right. So we're going to keep on. You idiot. No, no, no. You don't seem to understand. Daddy shouldn't have said that. You idiot. Yes, daddy is an idiot. I shouldn't have said that. You know what? That person whom I called an idiot is made in the image of God. And I know if I have a problem with it, you probably have a problem with it. We have to be careful because every, we can't just call people names because they're made in the image of God. And you're thinking, well, that's, that's really hard. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. It is hard. Now, verse 10. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James is saying this shouldn't even be possible. I mean, this is impossible. You can't find this in nature, this problem. And then he gives us some illustrations, great word pictures. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? What's the answer? No, it does not. Can you pick olives from a fig tree? No. Or figs from a grapevine? I'm sorry, we're getting a little bit lower. Can you pick figs from a grapevine? Can you pick apples from an orange tree? Can you pick oranges from an apple tree? 
The answer is no. So y'all didn't think y'all had that in me, did you? All right. The answer is no. You can't. You can't. But this is how he ends it. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. And everybody in James' audience would say, that's right. Preach it, brother. You can't do it. You don't get apples from an orange tree. You don't get oranges from a pear tree. And you don't get pear trees from a bush. It's impossible. What's impossible in nature happens all the time with me. Does it with you? You know, and did James just stops writing about the tongue and he moves on. The end. And you're like, whoa, 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 time out, James. I need help. And James says, you're right. You need help. I can't help you. He doesn't give any words of encouragement. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate you. He doesn't say, you know, he, doesn't, he says, you know what? I can't help you. You just need to know, warning, warning. You are playing with a loaded weapon. You have to be careful. You're going to be saying, I'm sorry, a lot. Especially if you're a guy. You're going to be saying, I shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me. I have to say that all the time. In fact, I'm going to tell you, this is not my notes. And this makes me look like a bad person. But I just want to let you know how real I am. And I I just want to say this. I I do a radio show on Thursdays and um, uh, on 1400 JZM. And uh, it's all about the Bible. We talk through it called the Spirit of Clarksville. And we we were talking about James chapter 2 this past Thursday. And James chapter 2 talks about favoritism and racism and how it, the Bible is against racism and favoritism and prejudice. And I, y'all need to know this. I mean, I grew up, and, and for those who know me a long time, you know, I, I, uh, all of my friends growing up because of uh, where I was living were African-American. And uh, I just, I am very, very passionate that the church seems to be so racist, that the, the people who say they're Christians, in fact, we're going to be talking about that next week. I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be fun. Um, um, that the people who say they love Jesus Christ on Sunday morning, that 11 o'clock is the most segregated hour in America. That angers me. And I've always wanted to try to do something about that. Plant, start a church where we have different people from different races. But as we're talking about that, and I'm talking about this on the air, and I'm really, really passionate about it. And, and somebody called in and says, well, wow, you're just telling it like it is. And I said this, this without knowing what it meant. I said, you know, I'm just calling a spade a spade. Now, you need to know this. When I think of that, I think of poker. I think of um, Texas Hold'em, all right? Uh, I did not know that was a racist term. Um, and somebody afterwards said, do you know what you said? And I'm like, yeah, I'm talking about poker. You know, the aces isn't, no, it's not what it means. And as you're telling me what it means, I'm starting to tear up because I've been in front of everybody in Clarksville saying racism is bad. And then I say a racist comment and I'm going, I've got a loaded weapon. And even though I didn't mean it that way and I didn't know it had that connotation, it still came out and my words can be damaging. And when the person who was telling me about this, because I do this with an um, uh, African-American person, this, this show, I said, do you think I should apologize? Because I don't mind going on the air and say, I should, you know, I didn't mean it that way. And he said, you know, I know your heart. And people who know you know your heart just, no, not at all. But it still, it grieved me. 
Because I'm a teacher. I have to be careful. And James is saying, you have to be careful as well. You have to be careful because your mouth is a loaded weapon. Let me tell you guys, your wives sitting next to you right now are praying for you to hear this because they're a burn victim. I saw you punch. All right. All right. They're a burn, they're a burn victim. They have been hurt by your anger and by your words. Ladies, you got a guy sitting next to you who you are killing him with your nagging. First service, a guy said, amen. And I'm going, oh, that was not the right time to, to agree with me. Because you got to go home with her. So thank you all for being wise in that. All right. Let me tell you, ladies, you got a guy who comes home. And he, it's, it's unpredictable. Sometimes he's coming home to an orange tree and sometimes he's coming home into lemons. You have to stop nagging. He gets beat up enough at work. He doesn't need to be, come home and you to verbally beat up him because you're killing him. Teens, you are shaping the way you relate to your parents by whatever. Whatever. How was your day? Eh. You're shaping, whatever. You're shaping the way you are going to relate to your parents forever. And this wasn't in my notes, but God gave this to me um, in the last hour. And I'm going to put it up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to memorize this verse. All right? I don't ask you to memorize a lot of verses. But I'm going I'm to ask you, Galatians, Ephesians. Uh, I ask you to memorize this verse because this verse is going to keep the people around you from not experiencing third-degree burns. The people around you from not experiencing your words that are going to leave them broken, mangled, crippled, and bleeding out. This is what it says. Don't use foul or abusive language. Now, right there should be a no-brainer, all right? Some of you are, I've been dropping four-letter words since I was 12 years old because the Bible doesn't say anything about it. Well, there it is. Amazing. All right, moving on. But that's not even the point that's, I think, the most important in this verse. Look at what it says. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let, I'm sorry, this is an all-skate this morning. Let what? Everything you say or you write or you type or you blog or you Twitter or you Facebook, let everything you say be good and helpful so that, and this is, this is the purpose, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You need, to, you need to memorize that. You need to write that. You need to print that out. You need to write that. You need to paste it on your mirror. You need to put it on the dashboard of your car. Because if you're complaining, are you obeying that verse? Nope. If, if you're over here nagging your husband, are you obeying that verse? Nope. If you are making fun of your wife's hair, am I obeying that verse? 
No. So if you got nothing good to say, I think your mama and I, mama, they must have had something going, huh? You see, that's the point. And some of you, I mean, I had to apply this today. I, 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 something happened and I got frustrated. And man, I was, I was frustrated. I was angry. And I just had to be quiet. That's what that verse says. Because if you've got nothing good to say, say nothing. Only what you say needs to be an encouragement to those who hear them. So, how we apply this today? This verse. Some of you, you're going to have to spend, maybe you need to go buy one of these. You just need to slip it in in inopportune times. Right? Some of you, you just need to start saying, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Don't blame it on how you were raised. Don't blame it on, well, I didn't know that's what it meant. Or maybe you, maybe you shouldn't, uh, you, know, you know, just say, you know what? Please forgive me. I'm sorry. That's, and just let it go at that because you can't put out a fire started by words by adding more words. Right? Guys, hear me. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? When you've ticked her off, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And she's going to say about a thousand more words to you. Amen. And you know what? You nod your head. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Eventually, that fire is going to die down. Let's do that. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the practical nature of this chapter, God. That Just today, even this past Thursday, Lord, I'm still having to learn this. There's never, ever going to be a time where I have to just put this on autopilot and I say, you know what? I learned it. I thank you so much, Lord, for just listening to me and hearing me and just giving me this practical word. Your word is so awesome. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.